2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 15. We're following the life of Elisha on these Sunday nights. And uh, we're going to pick back up where we left off on last Sunday night. Last Sunday night we had Elisha picking up that mantle and uh, smiting the waters. Jordan, they parted. And uh, verse 14, he said, where's the Lord God of Elijah? Y'all remember that? That was last week. Talked about where God will show up and needing God to show up in our lives. And uh, we're desperate for him. We need him more than anything. We need him above anything else. And that's what we looked at last Sunday night. I want to pick back up. I'm going to begin reading in verse 15. Let's examine the next scene together. The Bible says, And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And they said unto him, Behold now, there be with thy servants fifty strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master. Lest peradventure the Spirit of the Lord hath taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, Ye shall not send. And when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, Send. They sent therefore fifty men, and they sought three days, but found him not. And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, Did I not say unto you, Go not? I'm going to stop reading right there. And we are focusing tonight on this group of men that the Bible refers to as the sons of the prophets. Do you see that in verse 15? Of course, we've seen them already in this text. We don't know much about these Men about this group of men. The Bible doesn't give a lot of specifics about what they did or anything like that. But I think it makes sense to, to view them as some type of a school, some type of ministry training uh, for this prophetic office. And it looked like Elijah was their leader, was kind of the, if you want to call him the chancellor of their college or something like that, it would be some type of, uh, some type of that setup. Mentors and mentees, uh, like a Paul and a Timothy, like a Moses and a Joshua, like an Elijah and Elisha. And you have this kind of setup going on. Uh, they could go all the way back to uh, the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 19, there's a mention of a company of prophets Maybe that's the same type of group there that Samuel kind of mentored them. It makes sense. That's been God's pattern, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a preacher, there's a prophet, and then there's those that are training uh, in training and those that are being raised up to, uh, to carry on the work of God, if you will. It seems like that's a familiar pattern in the work of God, so I have no trouble believing that that's probably what's going on, what's going on here. But these men, in verse number 15, they recognize that the baton of spiritual leadership has passed to Elisha. And they notice that in verse 15. They all recognize that the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha when they see him pick up that very same mantle, that familiar 
uh, garment and he picks it up and he does what Elijah did right before he was taken up into heaven. He parts the waters of Jordan hither and thither. And so they immediately bow themselves down before Elisha and recognize uh, the spiritual authority that Elisha now possesses, the position that Elisha now holds, and the ministry that Elisha is carrying on. And so uh, we see that in verse 15. But when we get to verse 16, uh, they're not bowing down before Elisha anymore. Now they are bickering with Elisha. Now they are arguing with Elisha. Now they are fighting with Elisha. And it seemed like uh, if they, if, 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 if there's any semblance of spiritual discernment at all about them, uh, they're in the school of the prophets and they're the sons of the prophets. I don't know what they're learning, but it don't seem like they're learning a whole lot. I'm just going to be honest about it. It don't seem like they know exactly all that's going on. They're not, they're not in tune with heaven. They're not in tune with the Spirit of God. They're not in tune with anything that seems to be going on because they show their spiritual ignorance and their spiritual immaturity with this request to send out a search party to go look for Elijah, to go, to go find him. And this entire situation has been operating in the spiritual realm. This is a spiritual work. This is a spiritual transition. Elisha is a spiritual man with a spiritual anointing. And all these things is, uh, are operating in the spiritual realm. And, but it seems like when they come to Elisha in verse 16, here's what I want you to note tonight. They said, There be with thy servants fifty strong men. And I want you to note that. That they are looking to physical strength that they are emphasizing physical strength. That's what they're focused on. That's what they're thinking about. Uh, they're not thinking about this being a spiritual work, a spiritual transition, a spiritual anointing, all these things going on. We need to interject some strength. We need to interject some physical uh, ability to be able to maybe make up for weakness. Uh, on God's part. God maybe, now he didn't finish the job. He didn't get Elijah all the way to heaven. There's, there's weakness. There's insufficiency. And so we need to make up the deficit with physical strength. Are you getting the picture that we're painting here just a little bit tonight? Because isn't that the way that a lot of times we look at the Christian life? We feel like it is the physical strength. It is the, 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 the mental ability, the, the skills of the flesh that is what's going to make the difference up. But can I tell you the work of God? It is a spiritual work. This is a spiritual thing. The flesh will only fail you. The flesh will only upset you. The flesh will only disappoint you. The song that we sing says the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. And if you think that we're going to be able to accomplish a spiritual work and the power and the energy of the flesh, then you are sadly mistaken, my friend. God doesn't need your strong men. God doesn't need anybody's strong men. In fact, what God likes to do is God likes to take the weak things and God likes to take the base things and God likes to take the things that are not and that's what He likes to use to do a spiritual work and to accomplish a work for His glory. He doesn't need your strength. He doesn't need your strong men. He does not need your strength. He needs your submission. He does not need your strength. He he needs your surrender. He doesn't need your strength. He needs your obedience. He doesn't need your strength. He needs your faith. 
He doesn't need your strength. He needs you to trust Him and to follow Him. He don't need your strong men. He don't need my strong men. Sometimes we look, well, I can't serve God. I don't have this. Or I can't, I don't have that. Listen, He don't need any of those things. He is enough. He is sufficient in and of Himself. He is enough. He doesn't need our strong men. These strong men are a picture of the flesh. What can be done in the power and in the energy of the flesh. Our flesh does not help the work of God, ever. It hinders the work of God. Because this flesh, these strong men being interjected into the story, man, we're wasting time. There's three days that are wasted. Looking for Elijah, this is fleshly thinking. It's fleshly reasoning. It's fleshly rationalization. It's all flesh. It's operating in the power and the energy of the flesh. And what you have here, and I want you to see this. This is, I'll let you in on a little. I mean, I'm not probably not teaching you anything you don't already know, but when I, when I read my Bible, I try to look for these types of pictures because anytime you see some wrestling going on, you see some struggling going on, anytime you see those things, it's usually a wonderful picture of the flesh and of faith, of the flesh and spirit, the struggle that we all battle with. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody fight with your flesh? Does anybody know what it's like for the flesh to wear on you and to, and to, and to try to interject itself into your life and, and even into the work of God and the spiritual life? You want to serve God. You're trying to serve God. But we wrestle with those, this old stinking, rotten, dirty, good-for-nothing, wretched flesh. I hate it. But it's going to be there until we get to glory. And anytime you see a, a kind of a wrestling match going on, I promise you there's a good picture somewhere in there of flesh. And that's why I think you look at Cain and Abel and Jacob and Esau and David and Saul. And anytime there's a rivalry somewhere in the Word of God, I guarantee you there's some lessons in that about flesh and about faith. And so I see that. I see, don't you see a struggle going on here? Don't you see, a, uh, don't you see a, a, an argument, a fighting? Elisha says no, and, and yet the sons of the prophets with their strong men, they say yes, and Elisha says no, and they say yes, and Elisha says no, and they say yes. And I don't know if you've been saved any time at all. You know what that's like. No, yes, no, yes, no, yes. It's a wonder we're not all in a nut house somewhere. So I wonder we're not all crazy. Amen. It's almost like we're battling schizophrenia within ourselves. You ever read Romans 7? Man, there's that battle going on on the inside. And so I just want to make a few observations about fighting with the flesh. I think I would title the message that tonight. And and, and I, I, want you to, I want you to see how we want to serve God, we want to do what's right, but our flesh is fighting us every step of the way. Every step of the way. And I see in these sons of the prophets, they're strong men that they have come up with here to go out on this search party. I, I see some truths about the flesh that we all have to deal with. Can I give you some? I'm going to give you five tonight. I usually only have three points, but it's Super Bowl Sunday night, so I added two more just for the fun of it. I don't even know if they make sense, but I just added them in there. 
They all start with D's. I got five D's for, for you. How many does that remind you of your report card back in the day? Some of y'all are going to have some flashbacks, all these D's here. Got five D's for you. Number one, I see first of all uh, the desires of the flesh. I see in these sons of the prophets and their strong men, I see the desires of the flesh. Uh, these sons of the prophets wanted to send their 50 strong men out to find Elijah. But here's the thing. There was a reason why Elijah was not with them anymore. This is simple. This is really elementary, all right? But it's just the way my mind operates sometimes. It's just real simple. There was a reason Elijah was not with them anymore. Why was Elijah not among them anymore? Because God took him away. It was the will of God for them not to have Elijah anymore. It was God's will for Elijah not to be with them, but for him to be up there in heaven with the Lord. Wherever he's at. I'll, well, I don't know. I'll let y'all figure all that out. But Wherever he's at, it was not God's will for Elijah to be with them any longer. But yet... These sons of the prophets, they still had a strong desire for that which God had put away. They had a strong desire for that which God said, you can't have this anymore. They had a strong desire for that which God had separated from them. Man, does that not sound like the flesh? Does anybody else's flesh want things that God said you can't have? That's like all the flesh wants. The flesh always wants what God said you can't have anymore. That's, what, that's how your flesh is. The desire of your flesh, you better mark it. Pretty much it's this way across the board. If your flesh wants it, God said you can't have it. It's like when you're on a diet. If it tastes good, it's not good for you. Ain't that right? If it tastes bad, it's probably what you need to be eating. All right. Now, I'm not saying I do that. I'm just saying that's the truth. About anything our flesh wants is usually things that God has put away. And our flesh will desire these things. Isn't it just like the flesh to want what God has put outside of His will? Now, I do want to say this, that, listen, God, uh, listen, you don't have to go outside of God's will to find satisfaction. Listen, you don't have to gratify your flesh to find satisfaction. And I'll get to some of this in a minute, but I'll tell you what you'll find when you try to follow after the flesh and, and live by the desires of the flesh and the whims of the flesh. You'll find out that there might be some temporary enjoyment. There might be some temporary satisfaction, but it never ends well and it never ends right and it ends up leaving you emptier than you were to begin with. But your old stinking, rotten, dirty flesh, it always wants what God has taken away. And what God... It's put outside of His will for your life. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that, Galatians 5, 17, that the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. There's that fighting going on. 
and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. It lusteth against the Spirit. You know what that word lust means? That is a strong desire for that which God has forbidden. That is what lust is. It is when you have a strong desire for that which has been put outside of God's will, and as long as you live in this flesh, you're going to have to put up with the desires of this flesh. And I'll tell you what, fleshly people, here's, the, here's what carnal people are. If you want to know what carnal is, if you want to know what fleshly is, it's people that are driven by those desires. They let the strong men, they let the sons of the prophets, they let the sons of the prophets make the decisions. They let the flesh make decisions for their life. I'm going to tell you something. You, listen, it is not for a child of God to live that way, making provision for our flesh and walking in the flesh. Because I'm going to tell you something, friend. There is, there is condemnation in that lifestyle. There is sorrow in that lifestyle. There is disappointment in that lifestyle. There is no consistency in that lifestyle. People that are up and down and up and down and in and out and in and out. It's because they let those strong men, they let those sons of the prophets, they let that flesh dictate their every move. We don't live by the flesh. We don't walk in the flesh. We don't operate in the flesh. We must live by the faith of the Son of God. We must live by the Spirit. We must walk in the Spirit and not make provision for the flesh. We must walk in the Spirit and not, and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Every time your flesh, listen, every time your flesh wants something, it doesn't mean you got to say yes to it. Understand that? I know that's simple, but isn't that true? Just we say, why did you do that? Well, because I wanted to. So what? So what? People live, I mean, there's a lot of people they live there like just little babies and they just do whatever they want to do. Listen, grow up. Amen. Grow up spiritually. Grow in the grace that is in God, that is in Christ Jesus. Grow in the Lord, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? Grow up and be able to look at your flesh and say, no. You can't say it like that, but no. You don't have to do what the flesh wants you to do, but that's the desires of the flesh. Then I see the doubt of the flesh or the doubting of the flesh. It's obvious these men did not, I don't think they got to see what Elisha saw. I don't know. They are far off in verse 7. I don't know if they got to see Elijah go up into heaven like Elisha did. I'm not sure if they saw the whole situation. They were far off. And then the next thing they see is Elisha parting the waters himself. So I'm not sure. It's hard to tell whether they saw it or not. But, but it's obviously, whether they saw it or not, it's obvious they're not perceiving what's going on. Can I tell you something about the flesh? The natural man, Paul said, receiveth not the things that are of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There's things that your flesh cannot understand, and it will not understand. These men obviously didn't have enough faith to believe that God would carry Elijah all the way to heaven without dropping him off somewhere along the way. And that's, isn't that how the flesh, it, it always doubts the power of God. 
It always doubts the sufficiency of God. Well, God's not enough. God's not able. I got to help him along. I, I, you know, it's just not going to be. Listen, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be uh, uh, satisfied, I'm going to have to help God along. The flesh never makes any room for the power of God and believing the promises of God. The flesh feels like it has to know everything and everything has to be completely comprehensible and and, and comprehended uh, for it to be satisfied. But can I tell you what, friend? We don't live by explanations. We do not live by understanding everything. We have to believe God that He is able even when we don't see it and even we we don't understand, even when we don't have all the pieces. Your flesh always doubts God, but you have to go on by faith anyway and trust God. If you live by your faith, if you live by your flesh, you'll never believe the supernatural power of God like you ought to. And obviously they were really struggling in this area of believing that God could. The flesh always lives in doubt. Always lives, I don't know if I'll be able. I don't know if I can. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know. And that's how you're... And when people that operate in the flesh, and live in the, they're all, that's always that way. It's always question marks when it comes to the things of God. They never know. They never can figure it out. They never can... Uh, listen, faith, live by faith and live uh, walking in the Spirit of God and live according to the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And there is a surety. There is an assurance. There is a, there's a holy boldness that comes along with that and going on for the glory and the honor of God. But when you live by the faith, it's always question marks and you doubt God and you doubt His Word and you doubt His promises and you doubt His abilities and you doubt His power. Just live that way. A bunch of doubters is all they were. That's the flesh. That's the flesh. There's the desires of the flesh. Desires that which God has put away, taken away. There's the doubting of the flesh. It always doubts the ability of God to carry things through and then I would, I would note thirdly that I see a lesson about the flesh here in what I'm going to call the drive of the flesh. The drive of the flesh. Do you see that in verse number 17? It says, And when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, Sin. Now they asked this request at the beginning. Let's send out a search party to find Elijah. And what did Elisha say? No. No. I'm not doing that. And you know what the sons of the prophet did? They said, well, okay, Elisha, you know best, and we believe you, and you know, we trust your uh, judgment, and so we won't bring it up again. Is that what they said? <laughs> no, they urged him. And they urged him. And they urged him. And they kept asking. And they kept asking. Listen, I know exactly what this feels like because I have kids. Can I get a witness right there? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, they ask you, and they keep asking, and they keep asking, and they keep asking. Now, I don't let them urge me till I'm ashamed. I, they, listen, if I start feeling any, start feeling any urges, I'm going to tell you what, they're going to they gonna feel ashamed is what it's going to be. Amen. There's a point where you just got to say, Quit asking! Stop it! The answer is no. But they urged, and they kept, they kept urging, and kept urging, and kept urging. The Bible says it was a shame. I don't know what they were saying. Obviously, some type of manipulation, some type of, of shame, and guilting him into this. Listen, look, you don't want to find Elijah? What? You, you, what, what you're glad to be number one now? You think, you think you're in charge of everything now? Listen, you don't, you don't care. I thought, I thought you loved Elijah. I thought he was your hero. 
I told you, look, I can't believe you wouldn't want to go find him on some mountain or some valley somewhere. You don't have to do anything. We'll do all of it. And he just kept urging and urging and urging and urging. Man, doesn't that sound like the flesh right there? Does anybody know what it's like to have some urges in your flesh and it don't let up and it don't let up and the flesh just keeps asking and 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 just keeps going and going and going and it makes you feel bad and makes you feel ashamed and makes you feel all kind of things manipulating you to, 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 to... to give in to the fleshly desires, to give in to the pressure. And I'm going to tell you something, if you're tired and sick and tired of that, just welcome to the club because as long as you live in this flesh, it's going to have a drive and it's going to keep on going. you got to kill it. you got to mortify that flesh. But I hate to tell you, <laughs> it's like uh, you wake up the next morning and There it is again. Those urges, that drive. Do it, do it, do it. That's your flesh. That's your flesh. And I tell you, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of good Christians and seem like used to be good servants of God and all that. They finally just got weary of the battle. They got tired of saying no. That flesh just kept urging and urging and urging. And they just got tired of saying no. They felt like they were just saying no all the time. No, no, no. And they got tired of it. And they gave in. I'm going to tell you something. It never ends well when you give in. I'm going to tell you what God has for you. God has some grace to say no. You don't have to say yes to every time to every urge of the flesh. And I think I've already covered that. This is probably one of the points I added just for the Super Bowl tonight. But You don't have to give in. You don't have to give in. You can say no. That's one thing. Listen, this, this society, that, that is the worst, that is one of the worst sins to our society is denying yourself. That's like the most, that's the worst thing you could ever do. In fact, if you go to therapy and get that, they're going to tell you, well, you just, you need to, you need to, you need to say yes to yourself. You need to, you need to, uh, you're, you're denying yourself to me. You need to think about yourself more. You need more self-love and self-appreciation. And you need this and you need that. And be true to yourself and do what you, and don't worry about it. Push everybody else, sacrifice everybody else and be who you are on the inside. And, and all this kind of, can I tell you, that's some of the worst advice you'll ever hear in your life. If you want to, if, if, if you really want to, want want to go straight to taking a handful of pills every day just keep telling yourself yes drive you crazy i guess jesus didn't know what he was talking about when he said take up a cross and deny yourself and follow me he probably didn't know he probably didn't know what he was talking about he's such a man he's such a debbie downer isn't he he's such a he's such a killjoy jesus is such a stick in the mud ain't he Or maybe he knows how rotten your flesh is. And he knows the worst thing you could ever do in your life is give in to your flesh. It'll ruin your life quicker than anything in the world. But that doesn't stop that flesh from driving. But God will give you grace to say no. How many believe that? In fact, we should all practice it right here together. What do you think? Let's say no. Just to see. I bet you can say it. I bet you can say it. Ready? One, two, three. No. Look, there you go. 
All of you can say it. Now, tell your flesh that. When nobody's looking and nobody's around, nobody will know, can you still say, no, no. God has grace to say, no. He'll give you that grace. You can say it. Well, Joseph, Old Testament Joseph, every day that woman, Potiphar's wife, every day, urging him every single day. And you know what he said? He said, no. You can say it. You can say it. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're dealing with. I'm going to tell you what, there is grace to say no. The flesh is strong and it is relentless, but I'm thankful that the power of the Holy Ghost is greater. And if you will die to yourself and you'll get filled up with the Spirit of God, you don't have to say yes to the flesh. Amen. That's just good practical Christianity 101, isn't it? That flesh is always going to be there. It's always going to be there. It's the desires of the flesh, the doubt of the flesh, the desires or the drive of the flesh. I want you to see something else. We're on number four, the disobedience of the flesh. The disobedience of the flesh. Hey, here's what's amazing to me. These men, these sons of the prophets, they were on their face before Elisha. And verse number 15, they're bowed before him. The spirit of Elijah is resting on you. They were recognizing his authority. They were submitting themselves to him as their leader. And then just a few verses later, they're disobeying him. They saw the miracles. They liked that. They liked Elisha's miracles, but they didn't like his mandates. (laughs) They liked the supernatural things that he could do, but they didn't like to hear the word no. They didn't like rules. They didn't like, because Elisha flat out tells them, ye shall not send. No. This is a no. You're not supposed to do this. This is not the will of God for your life. And yet they kept on and they kept on and they kept on. They did not see that as an authoritative statement. They recognized his power, but they didn't recognize his authority. They appreciated his ministry, but they rejected his mastery. They did not want Elisha telling them what to do. Do supernatural things for us. Help us when we need something, but don't rule over us and tell us what to do. That is your flesh. That is it in a nutshell right there. That's how it feels about God. God, help me when I need you. Listen, don't let me get in a wreck. Protect my kids. Help me when I'm sick. You know, bless this and bless that, but don't tell me what to do. It likes God's miracles, but it hates God's commandments. Amen. And the flesh always wants God to help us with our problems. Lord, help me with this and help me with that. But it does not want to live under the authority of that very same Lord. Either He's Lord or He's not. Amen. 
The flesh is always disobedient and the life of carnality is marked by rebellion and disobedience. If that marks your life, is that's the way that you live in rebellion against God, then you are living after the flesh. You're fleshly. You're carnal is what you are. You're letting those urges, you're letting those prophets, you're letting those strong men run your life. Carnal life, disobedience, the clear commandments. It does not want to live under the lordship of Jesus. And then I would say lastly, not only do we see the desire of the flesh and the doubting of the flesh, the drive of the flesh and the disobedience of the flesh, but I would just say that we see the disappointment of the flesh. The disappointment of the flesh. Because look what it says. Verse 17, They sent therefore fifty men, and they sought three days. What does it say? But found them not. Couldn't find them, could they? They sent their men. They searched for three days. But in the end, what happened? Came up empty, didn't they? And I tell you, that's how the flesh is. All you're doing is wasting your time. All you're doing is spending resources that you'll never get back. Spending time that you'll never get back. Let me tell you what fleshly living is. Listen to me. Fleshly living is wasted living. In fact, did you know that, that we're wasted? And that's what I think of when I see those days. Wasted days. Days that were absolutely, absolutely futile that did nothing but... I mean, can you imagine? They're searching mountains and valleys and all these kind of things. I mean, for three days, looking all over the place for that which is empty, that which is nothing, that which will absolutely profit nothing at all. And that's how they're spending their time. That, that is, the, that is the, the literal meaning of the word prodigal. Did you know that? A lot of times when we think about the prodigal son... A lot of times our mind goes to wicked. Prodigal means wicked or prodigal means rebellious or prodigal means far away. Or pro- no, 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 that's not what prodigal means. The word prodigal means waste. It means wasteful. That's what it means. The, the idea when we call him the prodigal son, what we're saying is that he took what he had and he did what? He, he wasted it. That is what made him prodigal. It wasn't the, what he wasted it on. It wasn't necessarily, and, and I'm not saying that was good, were good thing. It's not necessarily that he took his inheritance. It's not necessarily that he was rebellious against his daddy. That's not why we call him prodigal. We call him prodigal because he took all that his daddy had saved for him and he took it and he wasted it. That's what prodigal is. Wasteful. And can I tell you, every day that you spend in the power and the energy of the flesh... It's wasted days. It's prodigal days. Listen, you can go to church every Sunday and be a prodigal. Prodigals aren't, we think of prodigals at church, they're the people that, you know, they used to come here, but now they don't. They're prodigals. No, not necessarily. Prodigals are people that live after the flesh and waste what God has given them. Wasteful. Wasteful days. And, they, and, and it, look here. They found him not. Listen to me. You'll never find what you're looking for living after the flesh. You won't find it. I promise you that. Verse 18. We'll end here and I'm done. And they came again 
to him. Talking about Elisha, free tarried at Jericho. He said unto them, look what it says, Did I not say unto you, go not? You see how this whole passage ends right here? It ends. How would, how would we rephrase that right there? Elisha told him what? I told you so. I told you. Can I tell you that is what is at the end of a life lived after the flesh? Look, it's an I told you so. You were warned. You were told. Somebody told you. Don't go that way. Don't live that way. Don't operate like this. I told you not to. And it's an I told you so. I don't guess I've ever dealt with anybody like that necessarily. Not that I think of. But man, I've wanted to a lot of times. I've wanted to look at people and say, I told you. I don't know why you're surprised things have ended up the way that they are. I told you that. And it's not that I know anything. I just told you what the Bible said. Listen, this, this Bible is true. The wages of sin is death. Listen, if you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you'll reap corruption. What's hard to understand about that? If you sow after the flesh, you're going to get a harvest that you don't like. You live after your flesh. You're going to get some things in your home and in your heart that you're not going to like very much. That's just the truth. And listen, so many people, they think they can do what they want and live like they want and, and disobey God and rebel against God and so do their flesh, but somehow they are the exception to the rule. Well, that's what, hap- that's what happens to everybody else's home. That never happened to mine. That's what happens to everybody else's life. That would never happen to mine. That's what happens to everybody. That would never happen to me. Oh, yeah, it would. Oh, yeah, it will. And I'm telling you, listen to me, because I love y'all in here, and I'm trying to tell you something. If you keep living the way that you're living, you're not going to like what you find when your search is over. If you keep going down the road that you're going down, you're not going to like what you find. And the only thing that's going to be waiting on you at the end of it is a big, I told you so. That's what Elijah done. Didn't I tell you? Don't go. I told you to stay. Trust God. You didn't do it. I don't get any glory in telling people I told you so. But I told you so. And I'm going to keep telling you. I'm going to keep preaching. But if you live after your flesh and you follow every whim and every desire of your flesh, you will die. Live after the flesh and you will die. You keep on going down that road. Go ahead. You keep on living backslid. You keep on living carnal. You keep on sowing after flesh. That's fine. Go ahead. You got to make your own decisions for your own life. But I'm here to tell you right now, right now, you ain't going to like what's at the end of your search. It's going to be a big, fat disappointment. Amen.
And that's not hatred in my heart telling you that. That's love in my heart telling you that. Elisha told him, he said, I told you not to. I told you not to. I like where those prophets were at in verse 15. Don't you like that? Bowed down. That's the way to live, ain't it? It's the only way to live is for your flesh being bowed down, submitted to the Spirit of God. And you're going to have to beat it down. You're going to have to mortify it. Crucify it. Walk in the Spirit. Don't make any provision for the flesh. Don't give it an inch. It'll take a mile. Amen. It'll run your life quicker. I mean, before you can just, you give it just a little bit, and man, but before you, I mean, it's the tail wagging the dog before you know it. Your life will be all messed up. Every regret, Ms. Maddie, you can come to the piano. Every regret I have, every, I can't think of one regret that I have in my life that cannot be traced back to giving into the flesh. Saying yes when I should have said no. I can't think of one. They're all that way. I can't change yesterday. Don't you wish you had a time machine? You could go back and change some things. Don't you wish you can go back and slap yourself? Say, don't do that. Don't you wish you had a DeLorean? You could just jump in and zoom back, you know. Time. I ain't got that. I can't change yesterday. But I can change tomorrow's yesterday. That's today. Because there's a negative. So the flesh, you but there's a positive too. So the spirit of the spirit, you'll reap what life everlasting. It's just natural harvest. You sow that kind of seed, you're going to get that kind of fruit, or whatever. You sow that, you're going to get that. If you sow, what's something we sow in the ground? What do y'all plant? Huh? Tomatoes. You sow tomato seeds, you're going to get tomatoes. It's just that simple. You sow pizza seeds. You're going to get pizza. Amen. You sow your seed of $77, I'm going to buy pizza with it. Amen. That's right. It's just that's the way it works. If you want disappointment, live after the flesh. If you want delight, happiness, satisfaction, trust God and follow God. Pretty simple, ain't it? Easy preaching. Easy preaching. Hard living. Amen. Let's stand together.